To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Weekend Collective podcast from Newstalk ZB. Thomas Coughlin is in the New Zealand Herald Deputy Political Editor. He was covering uh, Christopher Luxon's speech. And uh, Thomas joins me now. Thomas, g'day. G'day. So, um, okay, a few basic questions. What was the point of this State of the Nation speech? Yeah, look, they, they do it every year. Uh, Prime Ministers do it every year. It's just a scene-setting speech. that they, they use it for a wide variety of things. John Key used to sort of signal what his priorities would be for the year. Uh, once upon a time, I think he, he sort of announced or signaled those, um, those asset sales, selling the power companies in the State of the Nation. Um, it's kind of, you can sort of make of it what you, what you want. So Christopher Luxon today decided uh, to sort of use it to create this mood music around, um, <laughs> around what he wanted his government to be, uh, and, and that mood music was that the last lot were pretty profligate. Yeah, um, and uh, and that he wouldn't be, and that they're going to sort of get the books in order, that that sort of thing. So it's a really it was an interesting speech because it was it was really focused on the other lot as much as it was um as focused on um, on the government. Yeah, I read it before I had a look at it, um, and it was who was in the audience? Because it was very it's hardly the you know the United States United States have a sort of very somber presidential address, my fellow Americans, and it's straight to camera with no audience. But this was. It was quite rah rah, and us and the crowd were well. They were very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bit rah rah. Um, it, it was for party faithful, um, and, and that's pretty normal um, uh, for, for for this kind of speech. I think I was at the State of the, New, the Nation last year, and it was party faithful as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've got a lot of people who just think you're you know the greatest thing uh, ever, <laughs> and um, and you sort of get up on the stage and 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 you know. And you deliver for them, uh, and, and I guess you know that's, I, that's kind of the audience. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, the reason I mention that is because, um, and we'll get into the substance of it. Um, but the reason I mention it is because I think that it, for something that is called the state of the nation, it loses its credibility when it's presented in such a fashion. I would say, I would, in my mind, I had expected something, uh, and and you will remember, of course, as you said last year. But do you think it loses something by having such a partisan sort of rah rah crowd? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, like, person, you know, my, my personal view is that I'm not really a fan of this whole state of the nation thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's clearly been borrowed from the Americans with their state of the union thing. And that, obviously, the state yeah, of the union right. and the Americans are pretty political speech as well. And they, yeah. you know, do all these digs the, at the other lot. And, and you have all these people tragically counting the number of times the president's been interrupted for people to clap. Oh, um, yeah. But it's, it's clearly been sort of imported from the states. And we've kind of just used it as an excuse to make a speech, you know. Yeah. Really, it could be any old speech. Yeah. If, if we didn't have that of the nation, would you, you'd call it something else? Yeah, um, actually, the Greens, wrong... actually, the Greens call it the state of the planet, which is you know, a very <laughs> green way of. <laughs> actually, you're right. Actually, I'm thinking of the times when the presidents addressed the nation, sort of down the camera. But that's a different sort of speech. Usually, when there's been something really serious that's happened. So, yeah, yeah. Can- cancel that uh, comparison there. Um, what's your takeaway from the speech? Because, um, you know, basically, I looked at it and thought he said that the state of the nation is fragile, so we're a bit munted, and he's going to fix it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was, I think that's a pretty fair pricey, actually. Um, so it was that we're going through at the moment. We're sort of nearing the end of the hundred-day plan, so that ends on March the eighth, 
And then once that, that gets done, uh, basically we're, we're straight into the build-up to the budget, which is on May the 30th. So that's your kind of next, uh, slightly less than 100 days, but you know that's the sort of next chapter in the government's story. Um, and I think he's sort of setting the mood music around that a wee bit, uh, because at the moment in the Beehive, but sort of behind the scenes, ministers are putting in their budget bids uh, and trying to get money for their various portfolios. And, and um, from what I understand, usually the answer is no uh, <laughs> from the Kilwallis. And I, th- I think he's, at the moment, they're just trying to sort of do a bit of scene setting around that um, because this budget is probably not going to be, um, a, a, you know, sunshine and rainbows kind of budget. Uh, no. This budget's going to be sort of a bit of a, a reckoning, I think. Um, there, there probably will be. Uh, less spending than we're used to yeah. um, in some areas, not all areas, but in some areas there are going to be spending cuts. Um, so there's, it's that sort of thing. I think he's just sort of saying, hey, look, you know, I probably would love to give you this sort of um, lovely yeah. kind of spending budget, um, but here's why I'm not. And so that's, I think he's just he's laying the groundwork for that, and you're yeah. going to be hearing a lot more of that in the next few weeks leading up to the yeah. budget. Yeah, I think the expression tough love um, probably <laughs> gives, a, gives, a, 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 gives a bit of a lead in, doesn't it? Um, he accused Labour of uh, leaving a. T- this is the sum of money is just blows my mind, a two hundred billion dollar hole in its transport commitments. What do we know about that, and how accurate were those comments? You've been able to dig into that at all? Yeah, I'm actually. Um, I, I, I come to you now from. Um, you, you, you've um, you've kindly given me some interruption from digging into this actually, <laughs> um, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but so I, I, there is. And actually, the Heralds, the Herald and ZB have done some previous reporting on this. There were unfunded commitments in Labor's transport plan. Um, the previous number we had was about $40 billion. And mm. um, this $200 billion number is, um, is, is, I mean, it's certainly really big. Um, it's like half of our GDP. And, and, you know, if you think if we were to borrow all that money and do all of that stuff, you know, then we would be looking at going bankrupt. Yeah. Um, but, but, but that is, I think it's a bit of an exaggeration, um, to be honest. I think what, he's, what they've done is they've taken stuff that was announced that didn't have funding attached to it. Yeah. But if you look at the out years of the budget, there are pools of money that just are sitting there with nothing attached to them. And what happens every year is the finance minister says, right, so here's our pool of unspent capital spending. Here's our you know, transport policy. Yes, un- as yet unfunded, we'll, we'll take this from this pot of money and put it into that pot of money and, you know, hey, presto, it's funded. So it's, on the face of it, it looks really bad. And certainly Treasury has sounded some alarm, did sound some of the alarm at the end of last year about some of the lack of funding for some of these projects. But um, the, I think Nationals dialed it up um, a wee bit. Uh, <laughs> a wee yeah, I mean, it, look, it looks like the number which you'd come up with if you said, let's, how much it's going to cost to solve all our transport woes. Um, as yeah, a, as yeah, a, yeah. yeah, it's it's sort of like the nice to haves as well, isn't it? A little bit. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. You build like ten tunnels under the Waitemata, and you know, light rail from Botany to Gore, and yeah, I don't mm. know, yeah, something like that. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's a wee bit over the top, I, I think. But, but it's certainly there is, a, as always, there's a kernel of truth to this, which is that towards the end, particularly that last year, Labor certainly got a wee bit liberal with the press release machine. Yeah. What about those comments about welfare? Because if we've we've all seen those stats that you know um, people are on an average of thirteen years, and for younger people, it's mu- it's 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 much worse. So he's talking about making tough choices to, choices to support young people off welfare. To be honest, I read that and I thought it does sound tough, but I I, I didn't really disagree with it. I, I just think we're going in this direction where we're 
got far too many reliant on the state. What are you? What did you make of it? Yeah, those are, those are interesting remarks. There was this this week, um, and for, for the last fortnight, we've been getting a steady trickle of welfare um, data. Uh, and and the latest data is that people are going onto a benefit and taking longer to come off a benefit. Um, and people on JobSeeker, and, and you know, for most people, that, that that's the clues in the name. Um, that's a benefit you go on when 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 you fall on tough times, but you but you're trying to get back into the labour force. Mm. Um, and people are spending years on that yeah. um, at a time of very low unemployment. So yeah, that, that, that's certainly where he's sort of directing his focus. And the, the data does back national up on that. Um, under Labor, people were spending longer on a benefit. Um, so I think that's sort of signalling. And they've already, you know, they've got policy in this area that there are going to be, um, uh, we, we are going to return to some um, more rigorous benefit sanctions. Yeah. Uh, and that was the sort of tough love stuff. Um, this week they haven't actually passed it yet, but they, they, they're. Uh, I think it's at. Um, it's just awaiting its third and final reading um, as of the last sitting day on Thursday. Yeah, uh, and that's the change to the benefit calculation. So that that's going to be uh, slightly lower benefits over the next few years. Yeah, um, and that uh, the, that's where they're going to run into a bit of controversy because that hits everyone, including single parents and disabled people. Yeah. So you've got about, we're roughly at 300,000 people on a benefit at the moment on one of those core benefits, but yeah. 100,000 of them uh, are disabled to the point where they can't work yeah. uh, or they're caring for disabled people. Right, yeah. So there's a wee bit of a, there's, the, the, the data definitely backs the government up in terms of the time that people are spending on a benefit. That's, that's definitely, yeah. there's a strong argument there. Um, but the solution um, has quite a bit of collateral damage. It's interesting that the, the government's decided to just to, to not sort of surgically split off disability benefits a wee bit yeah. because that's um, that's I think you're going to see some pretty interesting um, uh, and potentially harrowing kind of um, outcomes from from yeah. the way that disabled benefits are caught up in that. Yeah. Uh, what about the he talked about the hundred day plan um, and all the things that. What's your assessment? He, you know, he said, look, we've been doing X, Y, and Z, and it was a, a good-sounding list. Mind you, most speeches on State of the Nation doesn't always sound wonderful. Um, but what's, <laughs> what's your take on it from a slightly uh, less, um, a, a more dispassionate view? Yeah, I think, I mean, to be fair to them, they've, they've certainly, um, they look like they'll tick everything off. Um, you know, might, who knows, I might have egg on my face in a few weeks' time, but I think they'll get through everything. Um, I think they, they set themselves quite an achievable target with the 100-day plan. A lot of the stuff is sort of to start work on things. Actually, I think, and this is, you know, going back to your State of the Nation um, comments before, yeah. I think the 100-day plan is a bit of a silly American thing that we've adopted as well. Um, some of the stuff that they're doing, you know, rushing things through under urgency just so you can get it done, your 100-day plan, hmm. I personally think some of the stuff is quite complicated yeah. um, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to take your time with it a wee bit. Um, but politically, one, one to keep, politically oh, yeah, it works but, for them, doesn't it? Because it does give oh, that sense of it. momentum, doesn't it? It does, yeah, and and people love it. You know, you voted for a new government. You want you want the new government to come in and do the stuff that you'd voted for. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's politically it's a fantastic idea because it just creates this um, sense of momentum. But there are some things I think that are a wee bit. Some of the issues around, um, particularly in the justice sector, the gang patches legislation and yep. the um, the search powers for firearms. That's mm. the sort of stuff you probably want to get quite right um, yeah. because you don't. Yeah, you, you, when you're dealing with a kind of pretty, pretty fractious sort of relationship between the police and the gangs, um, you don't want to mess that up. Yeah. Uh, so I think if you, if you move fast, you might kind of 
And you saw that with Labour when they put through those gun the gun um, uh, the gun legislation after March 15. They they moved too fast with that, yeah. Uh, and there were mistakes made, and and it caused mm. problems down the line. Yeah. And you know, National stands to make the same um, make the same error if it rushes ahead with some of the same well, legislation. And they were very critical of Labour for you overusing urgency, so they're going to have to cool their jets on that, some of that stuff. I think. Um, hey, yeah, they will. Yeah. How should how what's the response been? Any response from Labor and MPs or uh, Hipkins? What's what's the vibe yeah. from the other side? Yes, yeah, so Hipkins um, Hipkins is stand up at two o'clock. Um, he called the some of the remarks um, made by Luxon untrue. I think he even used the, the L word, the lie <gasps> word. Um, wow! Yeah, it's, you know that's, that's crossing that's a line. Stuff. Um, it was, <laughs> and I'm sure um, Christopher Luxon disputes that, but that was around um, this claim that uh, Kaya Aura would have to be selling some houses to be solvent, which was also made in the speech. Yeah. Um, but he 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 uh, he said that the um, he said the claims around the two hundred billion dollar transport hole were um, uh, ludicrous, I believe. Uh, so he certainly pushed back on that. Um, mainly, though, I think it's it's it, he's not sort of pushing back on the central allegation that large parts of it were unfunded. Uh, what he's actually saying is, is, yep, they were unfunded, but not everyone does this. Uh, we were looking at value capture. We were going to fund it in the out years. We were going to do this and that. And um, you know, you can't, you can't, um, you can't point the finger at me for leaving un- unfunded things in our transport plan when when yeah. National did it to Labor in 2017. And you know, to be fair to Chris Hipkins, he's absolutely right on that too. You know, yeah. there was a lot of unfunded stuff um, that was handed over, and that's you know, that's just. That's the way the wheel turns. Okay. <laughs> last last comment. Would you give this speech a pass in terms of his delivery and uh, and what you know the way he presented it and what was in it, or uh, marks out of ten? Uh, yeah. Look, it would be it would be like a six, five and a half. It was a, it was a, a bare pass. It doesn't see the world on fire. Um, but but to be fair to him, I, I can't. Jacinda Ardern didn't didn't sort of see the world on fire with these sorts of speeches either. Like. Mm. It's, yeah, it yeah. was all right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, oh, I guess, and the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. And the what do you think? Oh, sorry, I, I did say last question. But what do you think his biggest challenge is? Because um, he did talk about. It sounds like they're going to have to tighten the purse, and they, they're going to rely on more efficient delivery of public services, which by definition involves the public service. Um, I would imagine that's his biggest um, biggest challenge to to get a, a, an under fire public service to deliver with less. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is there's a chance he's wrong, um, and and that you know the, the health, for example, now that that is going to get some funding increases, so that health isn't getting funding yeah. cuts, but but you know that they've sort of said we can get better outcomes out of health um, by by squeezing them a bit tighter and pushing them a bit bit harder, um, and there's a chance that you can't. You know, so health is an incredibly complex beast, and every country in the world is grappling with the fact mm. that. You just tip money into your public health service, and it doesn't seem to touch the sides. Yeah. Um. So there could be you could see in three, four years' time, um, that he's wrong, and you don't get better services. So yeah. I think I think that's probably going to be the biggest challenge. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I uh, really appreciate your time this morning, uh, this afternoon, should I say, and and uh, get crack, keep on cracking on to the the detail of some of those claims he was making. Um, Thomas, have a good afternoon. You too. Have Cheers. Good afternoon. There we go. That's uh, Thomas Coglin. He's New Zealand Herald deputy political editor. For more from the Weekend Collective, listen live to News Talk ZB weekends from 3 p.m. or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.